Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles. As well, you can pre-order now the O-Electric Cadillac Lyric or the O-Electric Silverado as well. Give them a call at 519-824-0210. Tell them that Chris Palme, a.k.a. CDP, sent you as well. And also, guys, the uh, Parts and Service Department right now is open on Saturdays at Barry Cullen Chevrolet from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturdays, uh, I'm assuming through the Christmas season as well. I, again, I want to say thank you to Barry Cullen Chevrolet for sponsoring live with CDP Sports Talk as well. Uh, guys, I'm looking forward to my guest today. He, he's going to be on his record sixth appearance. His name is Pat Gregor. He's a manager with Coolback Canada, and he's a color analyst for the National League, the National Lacrosse League's Halifax Thunderbird, and the TSN Game of the Week as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to Pat. I know he's also a big Blue Jays and Bills fan, but uh, I'm just so glad the National Lacrosse League's back. And as you guys, guys can see, I have my Bandits hat on and the Buffalo Bandits in the back. But I am a fan of the sport, and so is Pat, and he's the gentleman that I'm going to bring on right now. Good afternoon, Pat. How are you doing? Doing good, Chris. Uh, the Bandits black and orange looks good on you, buddy. Well, thank you. Hey, hey, I, I, I'm also a huge fan of the entire league as well, and uh, I had such a great time Saturday night in Buffalo, even though they lost 11-10. to 10. Yeah, it's it's very odd seeing the Bandits lose at home. They have had such an unbelievable record at home in front of Bandit land. Um, you know, I think it was just under 12,000 for the attendance, which is awesome uh, for a December game. Usually it takes a little while for some of the fans to, to get back into the building around the holidays, but it was an electric crowd and there. You guys were treated to quite the game. I know. The Bandits didn't come out with a win, but man, that Albany team certainly put a lot of a lot of people on notice that they're not going to be a walkover this year. And that kind of goes to show the state of the NLL right now. It, it's not quite uh, any given Sunday, if you will, but man, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of parody this year. Absolutely. And I was going to say, uh, Doug Jameson, I, to me, was the number one star. He made 42 saves. Buffalo did pepper him. And uh, Tanner Thompson had two goals, five assists. And uh, Nanakolt had three goals for the Bandits. But he unfortunately got thrown out for uh, starting a fight. Now, there's a couple of rules, things I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Uh, um, I know they're really strict with goaltending fractions, like the NHL did for a year or two, and then they scrapped it. But... Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about is the goaltender interference in hockey. It's a two minute penalty. Why is it five minutes in the national lacrosse league? So it's all discretionary uh, with, with the, the, the contact and how um, excessive it is. So if it's deemed an excessive hit and, and I mean, you got to think Chris, 
in, in hockey, you know, there is some plays where you're crashing, crashing the net, but, but in lacrosse, um, we see more crease dives and, and action around the net. So uh, it's just in place to protect the goaltender, similar to what we see, maybe not to as much as a scale uh, as the NFL with protecting the quarterbacks. Um, but certainly they, they want to protect the goalies because there is a lot of action. So they deem that it was a five-minute penalty um, with Nanakoke crashing into the crease. And then unfortunately uh, with him fighting, it was the two majors in the game that caused him to get ejected. So if you have two majors in the game, that's where you're gone. And of course, Nanakoke's not thinking of that, you know, where there's the goaltender interference and then, you know, there's a fight that happens, you know, that's not in the back of your mind as a, as a fiery competitor. Um, you're not thinking, Oh, that's my second major. I can't fight right now. It's just kind of heat of the moment. And unfortunately for the bandits, I did think that kind of shifted some momentum because offensively they started to look a little bit better. And, and I thought Nanakoke was certainly their most dynamic forward with Dane Smith, not having a, as great as a game as we normally see. And I thought, Albany, kudos to them. Kudos to Doug Jamison. They really clamped down on some of the Bandits' playmakers, but uh, Nanakoke was great, unfortunately for him, though. Um, the two two majors caused him to get tossed, and ultimately, like you said, it. Uh, you know, Dave Jamison was the big-time difference maker in that game, um, and a play like that, I think, also kind of changed the way the outcome possibly could have happened. So, again, I, I saw the Bandit land um, reading some of the comments on their Facebook page. They Guys, I know your passion. I love how passionate Banditland is, um, but it's not time to hit the panic button. Matt Vince will be fine. He's one of the greatest goaltenders to ever play the game. I know it wasn't his best effort. He's going to be fine. This Bandits team is going to be fine, and and I wouldn't be worried too, too much. It's just one game, right? Absolutely. Um, that lower bowl was sold out pretty well. And there was some yeah. people sitting in the 300 levels. Now, Chris Swenson, they're a PA announcer, and I've had him on my show. I, I, I was able to speak to him at halftime. And he goes, well, we still would like to see more. And I said, well, for opening night, uh, 12, 13,000 is still a very good start compared to last year during the pandemic. Exactly. And I think you saw last year, obviously, the numbers weren't a true representation of what attendance was like around the National Lacrosse League. I mean, you look at Toronto, they played two games in Hamilton with zero fans. I know Halifax uh, played a couple of games where they had limited capacity. Hamilton, Toronto, they had limited capacity. Buffalo, I think one game was limited. And then even though you know the Buffaloes, the Philadelphia, some of the other teams in the States maybe didn't have as many restrictions as let's say some of the Canadian teams had but with that being said there was people who were reluctant to go back into big crowds and I totally understand that but you know it's it's starting to seem like we're you know on the on the right end of uh, of things we're starting to see some of these bigger events and look no further than than Buffalo anytime you go to a bandits game doesn't matter if it's you know 12,000 or what we saw in the playoffs where they sold out like they come out, they support their team, they're passionate. And yeah, sometimes maybe a bit too passionate when they're throwing off some some hot takes in the Facebook comment section and, and worried about what's going on with their team. But uh, I would rather have a team that is overpassionate and worried than a fan base that really doesn't care. Doesn't so care. it just goes yep. to show you how much this Bandits fan base loves, loves, loves their their sports teams, especially a team like like the Buffalo Bandits. 
they're also missing a couple guys from last year's team. I guess uh, Brown now is no longer there. Connor Fields is now in Rochester. And Steve Priola, uh, who's one of their key de- defensive guys, uh, he was a last-minute scratched, And I'm not sure if he was injured or something happened with him there. Yeah, you know, I haven't heard all too much about Priolo being that last minute scratch, hoping it's it's nothing. He wasn't put on the IR, he wasn't put on the pop list. So a little cause for concern there, I think, for Bandit fans. Maybe it was a sickness. I know there's some crazy bugs going around right now. He's a fierce competitor, though. Um, if he was ready to go or even close to being ready to go, he would have wanted to be in that game. So that's something, obviously, we got to keep our eyes close to to see what's going on uh, with Steve Priolo. But certainly, they they definitely missed him. This guy is a perennial uh, elite defender year and year. I actually don't think he gets the praise that he deserves. Like I think at this point in his career, he probably should have won a Defender of the Year award. It's just unfortunate for him. Uh, he's caught up against some some elite uh, all-time talent, like a guy like Kyle Rubish in Saskatchewan, Graham Hosick uh, in Halifax, where it's just been unfortunate for him. But year in, year out, Priolo is going to be one of the most impact defenders, uh, and he just continues to get better and better with age. He's, he is a guy that they certainly miss, not just from a defensive standpoint, but I think they missed his leadership. They missed him being that calming presence on the net, uh, on the bench, uh, being on the floor, talking to Matt Vince, um, kind of going over strategy. It's almost like having an extra coach out on the floor and out on the bench when you have a veteran presence like Steve Priolo. So hopefully for Bandit fans, uh, it was nothing serious and he's going to be back for next game because you nailed it, Chris. Uh, you could tell there was just something off with that Bandits team without him in the lineup. They did get off to a good start, one nothing, and then Albany went up 4-1. to one. Every time the Bandits would fall behind two, three, four goals, they would make a push and get it back to even, but they could never take the lead. Oh, they only had the one nothing lead once, and that was it. And they were just basically behind the eight ball the entire game most of the night. Yeah, it, it really kind of just goes to show you, yes, it wasn't their night. They they didn't play to the, the expectations that I think they had. And I think if you asked uh, John Tavares, he would have said, you know, they – should have had a better effort, but I think you also got to tip your cap to Albany. They they had such a great uh, game plan. Um, even hearing Josh Byrne after the game just saying they were throwing different things defensively, like inviting them to get beat underneath and and you know allowing those shots from the outside and and kind of inviting them to to attack and to engage. And that's not something that you normally see. So you got to give a lot of credit to Glenn Clark. Uh, and Clem Durazio of of the coaching staff for Albany. They played a great game plan. And and again, we've said it already a few times here, uh, but Doug Jamison was lights out. This is a guy that in the COVID shortened season back in 2020 was the goaltender of the year. Had a little bit of a down year last year, uh, but this is a guy that night in, night out, if he's in between the pipes, he can steal games for you. Also, when Albany was up 11 to 10 after Chris Coluche cut it to one goal with about a minute left, the last 30 seconds, the, the Bandits, I think, took possession of the ball, but Albany did a great job tying them up. And basically, the last 27 seconds, 28 seconds, uh, they were stuck in their own end. And uh, that basically sealed the deal there. They just, they were smart about how to uh, uh, not let the Bandits break out and to have that opportunity to tie the game up. 
Yeah, it was it was a masterclass, really. And and again, I mentioned how well of a game plan that Glenn Clark had for this Albany team. And that's what they're going to have to do this year. I know, you know, they they put up eleven goals, and and you mentioned Tanner Thompson having a career uh, game with with seven points, and um, some other guys, you know, Connor Kelly with a big night with five points. Uh, Kieran McArdle had five points as well. Um, in his first game, John Piatelli, three points. Like the, there was a lot of young guys that stepped up uh, and played a big role off offensively for this Albany team. But to be quite honest, I don't see a lot of output uh, for this offense. I think they're a team that's going to score um, by committee. There's not going to be one or two players that are going to take over that offense. Um, Ethan Walker, I forgot to mention him on the left side there, one of their top lefties uh, as well. But I think they're they're a team that's going to be built from the back end. And it starts with their goalie. It starts with their defense. Uh, they're big. They're fast. They're tenacious. But they play a really sound uh, defensive system. So for me, I, I I truly do believe, you know, we're going to see some some strong offensive games like what we saw. Um, you know, and again, eleven goals is is I mean, look a, across the league. We saw Toronto put nineteen up, um, or eight, you know, and then we saw. Um, I think it was 18 from Halifax, another 18 or 19 from Saskatchewan. So offense was, was certainly uh, at a premium scoring. Wasn't at a premium, I should say on, on Saturday and Friday, but this game was more of a defensive battle, but I think that's the style of game that Albany is going to want to play this year. And that's kind of the way that I think it's a recipe for success. Now for the bandits, um, that's not their game. Yeah, they have a great defense, and Matt Vince is still an elite goaltender, in my opinion, despite only having 27 saves um, on Saturday night. But they want to be in that run-and-gun game. They want to be in the high-scoring games. You want Dane Smith to have you know seven, eight points at the end of the game. You want Toga and Anico crashing the crease, uh, electrifying Banditland. Josh Byrne with his crease dive. So, yeah, certainly not the way that the Bandits wanted to start their season, but I, I'm not hitting the panic button with this team. At the end of the year, they're going to be either first, second, or even third um, in the East. They're going to be battling deep into the playoffs. Like This is just a team that hasn't been able to get over the hump yet, Chris, um, but they've always been there. That's two years in a row now that they've fallen in the NLL Cup. Like I think this is a team that is destined and hungry for a championship, and if they don't get it done this year, I mean, it would be, I would not be surprised to see uh, Steve Dietrich, the general manager of this Bandits team, do something um, big and, and trade one of their top guys to kind of try to shake things up because um, it's been high expectations for this group. And as it should, because there is so much talent on that front door there. And, and they have a, a small window with a guy like Matt Vince, who is, you know, near the end of his career, right? He, he's not getting any younger. So um, the window is closing. And I think this year is an opportunity to finally get that championship that they haven't had in quite some time in Buffalo. Yeah. 2008 was the last time they won, which is hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, when you think of, of the NLL, you think of winning, you think of, of perennial powers, you know, the Toronto rock come to mind, obviously with their dynasty um, in the early 2000s, you think of Philly back um, with their, you know, great teams um, in the nineties and in, in the early two thousands as well. 
But the Bandits, again, another team that year in, year out, they are one of the top teams, but they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And and when you talk to Dane Smith, um, which I had an opportunity to talk to him a lot last year, he said, like, there's nothing more that he wants to do than, than bring an NLL Cup to Buffalo, hang another banner up in that arena. That this is a guy that has, you know, multiple MVPs, um, you know, scoring titles, records for most points in a single season, records for assists in a single season. A guy that's probably going to be on the top 10 in every single offensive category when all is said and done and be a, a Hall of Famer. But he could care less about that, Chris. He wants a championship and, and a lot of guys in that locker room do want one. And I think it's it's a make or, or break year with this core. If if they don't get it done, something is going to have to give. And I'm not saying they're going to blow everything up because they're just too much talent. But when it gets to a point where you've, you you haven't been able to get over that hump, you you got to make a decision here. And I think this is the year for them to 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 get it done or start thinking about retooling this roster. It just shows you how hard it is to win a championship in any yeah. sport, any sport. And I think there's similarities to this team with the Bills as well, because right now the Bills are are, are to win now, and mm-hmm. just like the Bandits. So I think it's a huge season for both teams. And one thing I like the, what the Bandits do there, even though I'm not a Bills fan, they get the Bills fight song in there. They bring a player in or two, and it gets the crowd jacked up even more. And Chris Swanson does a great job as the uh, – the in-game public address announcer as well. Oh, Chris is is one of the best in the biz. He really knows how to feed off that energy and he's so great. And he kind of was, you know, Chris, like when you when you go around and you'll have an opportunity. I know you've been uh in in Hamilton, you've seen a game, but once you get to some of these other buildings, um a lot of the PA announcers kind of take a little bit away from what Chris does and they do put their own flavor on it, but he was really the first guy uh, to really engage the home crowd team with those chants, the, the what's he's got nothing like and now teams across the league use that phrase. And, you know, he has so many great ones um, over the years back, obviously when I can remember going to games, um, when I was down at school in Buffalo, the Johnny who Johnny T chance, like the guy had so many one-liners, he still does, but you're totally right in it. And that's the unique thing about lacrosse and about the, the NLL. It's a party atmosphere. You know, the PA announcers talking, you know, during the game, there's music playing. Um, you got the dance team, you've got, um, you know, so many different things going on besides just the, the product that's on the floor. Um, but the product on the floor is so, so good as well. Like it, it really is. And I know I'm biased. I know you're, 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 you become quite the fan of the NLL, but you know, talking about like bang for your buck night out. Like, I don't think there is a better in game, in person experience than a national lacrosse league game, especially in those awesome buildings, you know, like um, Buffalo, like the bandit land certainly knows how to do it. Right. Before I get into some questions, I wanted to ask you also about the timeout situation during a game and how many challenges can coaches do? And one thing I I learned during a game, the coach can throw a red flag during the play. Like in other sports, they have to wait to a stoppage, but uh, in the uh, lacrosse league, they can do it right on the fly. Yeah, so I believe in... This is something I probably should know, and this is why, as a broadcaster, you should always brush up on on your uh, rule book. But I do believe the coach's challenge, um, if you use your challenge, 
um, and you're successful with it, you get that challenge back. If you miss, then that's when it's a delay a game penalty and then you lose that challenge. So you definitely have to be pretty selective with when you challenge it. And of course, it's it's all about timing as well, uh, when you can, you can throw it. So that's why they allow you to throw the flag during play um, because there is a time window. I believe it's two minutes or a minute and 30 seconds uh, before it becomes too late to watch it. Um, and of course, you know, in Buffalo, it, it, and this is gamesmanship, they do this everywhere. But for example, um, you know, if there's a close call, Buffalo is obviously going to get a couple of looks on the replay to kind of see, all oh, right, is it close? Yeah, we want to throw our flag. They should throw the challenge flag. Whereas if you're on the road, you're not going to get as many replays on the jumbotron so that's where you have to rely on if you have a video coach that's on the bench because the ipod that can or the ipad that can go back and man i tell you chris it is it is such a hard sport in real time to decide if it's a goal or if it's not a goal especially when it comes to the crease rule like the crease rule is and there's so many different variations and um you know whenever i do my prep for a broadcast um at the start of the year especially i always go back and read the different crease rules because there are so many different interpretations and i give the refs a lot of credit i know it's a difficult job and i know they take a lot of flack and sometimes it's deserved but at the end of the day when it comes to calling a lacrosse game with all the different rules and how fast it moves, um, it is it is such a hard, hard game to be an official uh, because a lot of the rules are subjective. It's a lot of like the way that you can interpret the rules. So um, I would would I would say, and I know John Gertler will agree with me. I know he's a friend of the program. Um, I think there's got to be a time limit on some of these these reviews. Sometimes it just it takes far, far too long. To, re to review and really if it's that close it should just be inconclusive evidence when you have to break it down multiple and i get it the officials they just want to they want the right call and that's the right thing to do but when you have such a, a fast-paced product like lacrosse um and you have such a long review where it's you know three four minutes and you're breaking down just for you know a, a, a centimeter of a guy's toe inside the crease. Um, I think you just, that's where it's inconclusive evidence and you go with whatever the ruling was on the floor. So I know that is something that the league uh, is working on implementing something like that and implementing similar to what they have in the national uh, hockey league with, you know, they've got headquarters in Toronto and that's one person, you know, a team I should say is looking at the replay don't know if it's something exactly if that they go to that or if they have their own standardized uh, viewing screen where they can look back and, and the ref can control all the different angles. Of course, it's just at the point where not every single arena, not every broadcast uh, crew has the same capability. So until each arena in the NLL has the same equal playing field when it comes to angles and reviews and, and, and the technology from that standpoint, it's hard to put a time limit on, but I certainly as not even a broadcaster, as someone who consumes the game, that would be my one issue is, is the, the reviews sometimes can just be way too long and it takes the flow out of the game for a game that is just so beautiful. That's back and forth, quick action. Also, the fans there weren't too happy as well. And uh, there, the delays were, I would say, between three and four minutes yeah. uh, quite a bit. And the Bandits did have two goals disallowed. But one thing I got to ask you, Pat, um, 
if your toe is even on that white line, no goal, right? Am I correct? Yeah. So basically with the rule, with the crease is if, if as long as, so if you're in the air and if, as and, and say, let's say Josh Byrne, for example, cause he's so good at this takes flight, jumps up in the crease, he breaks the plane. That's fine. It's when, whenever the ball crosses the crease. So if the ball crosses the crease, then he lands and his foot is on the turf. It's a good goal. But if he is take takes off and his foot is just touching that crease, it is no goal. So, so it, it is, it's, it's about where the foot plants when that foot plants in terms of where the ball is at that point as well. Also, another thing that is, is a very, um, you know, point of contention as well is the ball carrier or the person who touched the ball. If, if say a player runs through that crease and then picks up the ball, that's a crease violation. But if a player runs through the crease, another player picks up that ball there's no crease violation. As long as the person who runs through that crease um, doesn't pick up the ball first, gains possession, then it's fair game. Another, And this is why there's so many different variations of the rule. Sometimes as well, if, if someone is pushed into the crease, then that's also discretionary of the ref, similar to also when it goes to goaltender interference. So again, just so many different variations of, of rules and interpretation. And when it's at that high speed, uh, it's so difficult on the officials to get the, uh, get, get the call right properly. So that's why, you know, nine times out of 10, if it's a close play at the crease, um, you're going to see a coach probably throw a flag or the ref is going to blow things down and wants to take a look at it because it's just such a, a fast paced game. One thing I also noticed at this game too, there was a lot of new fans at the at the uh, KeyBank Center, and I saw a lot of uh, uh, families with young kids there as well. And uh, I uh, I was there what at six o'clock at the arena, around six o'clock or quarter two, and there was people lined up to get into the arena. And uh, I've been to Saber games too at the KeyBank Center, and to me, the Bandit fans are louder and noisier and more engaged than the Saber fans are. Oh, I totally agree. I th- I think they are when it when you talk about the best fans in the NLL, I mean they are certainly up there. And when you talk about the best fans, you know, in pro sports, they've got to be up there as well. And I know they probably don't have the big fan base um, globally or even in the city um, as a as a maybe a Bandits or sorry a a Bills or or Sabers, um, but they're passionate. They are so passionate. You talk about the new fans as well, too. That's that's a big part. It, it, you know, I talk about the party atmosphere and and how engaging the fans are. But it's also a great spot, you know, to take your family to go with kids. Like it, it's a, it is a family. I know there is that party vibe to it, um, but it's also a really really good good time. Uh, you know, to bring the family, bring you know kids out, nephews, nieces, whatever it may be. Um, it's an awesome time. And, and especially uh, a lot of these teams do a great job with one or two games a year where it's like an afternoon game and they kind of have like their kids nights. I know the Toronto rock are doing one this year. Um, I, I think the bandits usually do one as well. Um, not a lot this of teams year. Do. Yeah. Oh, they're not yeah. doing it this year. No, okay. No, I, I, I checked their schedule and a lot of their games are uh, on Saturday nights and they have, I think two games at home on Friday nights, uh, Halifax on the 30th. And then there's another game on a Friday night, but all their 
games, I believe, are seven thirty this year. You know what? That's although the the one or two trade offs for those afternoon games are great for you know bringing out kids. Um, I think from uh from a television standpoint and from a gate standpoint, those Saturday night games are are prime time. Like the Toronto Rock, um, a big reason why they moved to Hamilton was arena availability. Like they were they were getting screwed at Scotiabank Arena. A lot of Friday nights, a lot of Sunday afternoons, a lot of Saturday afternoons, um, and not that prime time on Saturday night. Of course, they're competing against the uh, you know the Leafs. They're competing against the Raptors, concerts. Um, so they they felt like, you know, especially in Hamilton, um, Saturday night, you're not dealing with traffic uh, coming on a Friday because that was a big reason why a lot of people either wouldn't go to rock games in Toronto. Um, you know, you're dealing with traffic. You you know, if for the people that are working in the city, you know, on a Friday night, the last thing they want to do is, is stay in the city um, and they want to get home to their family, whatever it may be. So as much as I think it would be great that the NLL has a team you know, in Toronto, one of the biggest markets in North America, I totally understand why Jamie Dowick wanted to have a better arena deal and and go to a market like Hamilton. Um, and I think it's gone. I mean, I'm sure we'll probably get to it, but uh, outside of next year and possibly the year after where they might have some uncertainty where they're going to play um, after year one in a game. I think this 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 move to Hamilton has been uh, uh, an absolute home run. I agree, and I admit I was wrong about it uh, a year ago. We spoke about it on this show, and mm -hmm. uh, I was completely wrong about it. I was going to wait till later to ask you this question, Pat, but since we brought it up, I have to ask you it now. Thoughts on The Rock having to relocate for two years from the first Ontario Centre as they're doing renovations, and where do you think The Rock possibly could, could possibly relocate temporarily? Oh man, Chris, this, this really, it, it does stink. I think long-term it will be okay for, for uh, the rock and for Jamie Dowick and his franchise, because from everything that I'm hearing uh, the facelifts and the renovations that they're going to do for first Ontario center is going to be beautiful. Um, they're going to have more um, luxury suites. Uh, the concourse is going to be improved. So it's going to be a, like a really long-term project. It's going to be great, not just for, you know, the rock, but for the bulldogs, for um, the honey badgers, I believe. They the moved, they teams. moved. They, oh, actually they did moved. move. See, well, I, moved. I'm not surprised. I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah. They don't have a home for two years potentially. Um, but even just the city, uh, it just allows, you know, some more concerts to come, some more events to come. And like, it is a great thing for the city of Hamilton, but now I'm going to flip side onto the negatives here. Now you have a team that is new in market that just came to Hamilton. And as you and I know, didn't start off on the greatest foot. Um, a lot of people were not pleased that they didn't change their name to Hamilton or they didn't change it to Ontario, that they were Toronto. But once they came to market, once people saw the game, once they went to the game, they fell in love. And now the fact that they're going to have two seasons and then two seasons removed, like I don't know how many people are going to come back um, to Hamilton after two seasons away. I think that's why it's important. We'll get to your second part of the question is that they stay somewhere close to Hamilton. So people who are, you know, new or newer fans from last year or this year uh, will go to games next year. I don't think you can go back to Toronto. 
I really no. don't believe that you can go to, to Coca-Cola Coliseum, although I think that would be an awesome venue for an NLL team. I just don't think you can do it. So in terms of where I think they could land, um, I'm hearing rumblings uh, of the odd in Kitchener, uh, hearing rumble rumblings of possibly uh, the Meridian Center in St. Catharines, possibly Guelph. Um, the, the arenas that, of course, you're not going to get an arena as big as First Ontario Center, but it's going to have to have at least five to 6,000. Likely, um, I think of those, I think the odd is the biggest at um, 7,200. Yeah, 72, 70. I was going to say. Yep. So it's just about 7,200. So that would allow you probably to have the most fans. Um, the Meridian Center obviously is a newer building. It's beautiful. It's in an area where there's traditional um, lacrosse fans. It's a hotbed. Like there is a lot of great players um, that have come from the St. Catharines area. Most notably while we're, we were talking about the bandits, Matt Mitz, he's from there. So there's a lot of players. There's a lot of history um, with lacrosse in St. Catharines. That kind of would make sense. Um, you'd have a lot of opportunity for people coming over from Buffalo uh, to watch some games. Um, it's, it's relatively close and close enough for people from Hamilton um, to drive down as well. Obviously, if it's a Saturday night game, that's great because you don't have to deal with traffic. Um, if it's a Friday night game, that's going to be a headache <laughs> for people from Hamilton to, to get to St. Catharines. But um, I think that's a great location. Um, you know, it, it's tough. It really is tough. I don't envy uh, the Toronto Rock and the front office staff who's going to have to choose uh, where to play. I heard, you know, some people throw out the idea of, of doing multiple locations, which would be really cool if you went to different hotbeds um, and, and different areas in Ontario. Like go to Peterborough for a game, go to Oshawa for a game, go to Guelph for a game. But at the end of the day, you, you, you have to still build that fan base and you have to allow your season ticket holders to have the opportunity uh, to go to every game. So as cool and as great as that would be, from a marketing standpoint and growing the game across the province and, and allowing maybe the league to see any, some other areas where that could possibly support an NLL team. I think they need to find a permanent home for the next two years. Um, and I think it's gotta be close to Hamilton because you do not want to lose some of those new fans that you've, you've built over the last two seasons. I was going to suggest London, but London's about an hour, hour and a half drive uh, mm -hmm. from Hamilton, depending on traffic. Now, Guelph has the Sleeman Center, but it only seats about 5,000. And yeah. um, to me, I, I as much as I'd like to see it in Guelph or Kitchener, uh, Niagara would make the most sense at the Medadian Center. Uh, the only question is uh, they wouldn't be the first tenant in that arena. The Ice Dogs would have the priority on their home game still. Yeah, and and that's that's exactly it, which is another you know tenfold of what you have to have to deal with is is you know you had such a great uh, opportunity and a great relationship with the building with the first Ontario Center and also with um, you know the Bulldogs they had a great working relationship uh, building out their schedules now where do you go? It's, it's really unfortunate that they're, they're handed this, but again, um, the rock have been a world-class franchise for many years. I think they'll figure out where the best location is. And I hope wherever they land, whether it's Kitchener, whether it's St. Catharines, wherever, it, I hope people from Hamilton still travel and support the team. And I hope 
whoever is the city of home for the next couple of years, embrace them and, and really help support because it's an unfortunate situation that I don't think the rock envisioned. I truly don't believe they would have moved to Hamilton last year. If they knew this was going to happen, it sounds like the project was a little bit bigger than what they anticipated and was going to take a little bit longer. It sounded what I was told initially was that it was going to be done in phases and they were going to be able to do majority of the work over the, the summer. Um, but after a couple initial um, quotes and, and figure things out, they said it would take far too long if they would segment it and they need to just get it done and over with. So long-term it's great for the rock. It's great for the city of Hamilton. Short term, it really, really does stink for both, especially The Rock, who built such great positive uh, momentum off of last year, and they're going to build even more this year. It's just what's going to now happen next year and po probably two years, it sounds like. And that arena, I remember when it first opened on uh, November 30th, 1985, 37 years ago, I'm dating myself, but they ha they haven't really done much to that arena other than the uh, 100 level seats. It's been pretty well the same arena for 37 years. Yeah, and it's a great venue. It really is. It's there's not really a bad seat in the house, and it it, it needs a facelift, especially that you're you're going to have uh, you know a premier OHL team who you know continuing year after year proving that they are one of the top teams in the OHL. Um, and then, of course, a professional lacrosse team. And as I mentioned before, uh, if they can give this a nice facelift, I know there are a lot of great concerts that do come to town, uh, but it's only going to attract more concerts, more events, um, different things of that nature. And it's long overdue, like you said. It just It's unfortunate that it's coming at this time. Are you still good for time yet, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. Time-wise? Okay. Uh, I just wanted to double-check with you. Um, this question I wanted to ask you at the beginning, but I wanted to get that one through. What was it like being back with TSN for their game of the week, along with John Abbott and Ashley Dawkins and uh, thoughts on the Halifax went over uh, Philadelphia. I think it was 19 to eight. I got it wrong there at 18 to eight. Uh, well, first, before we get into this, Chris, that's exactly, um, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. You listen to what, what, uh, what your interviewee is saying, and yeah. sometimes you got to pivot, right? So that was good on you for, for recognizing that, that that's awesome. Now, uh, being back in Halifax, uh, couldn't have been happier. It was so great to be back in that building, uh, around that fan base. Uh, and it helped that, you know, the home team, uh, came out with a big win. You were correct. It was 18, eight, um, okay. massive victory for the T-Birds, Obviously, I get to see them quite a bit also doing the TSN.ca home games. Um, I was expecting a little bit more from Philly. I'll be honest, bringing in Joe Rezateritz, um, you know, a, a MVP candidate last year, um, just did not anticipate them coming out as flat. I think they'll be able to bounce back and there'll be a team that is fighting for a playoff spot. But uh, going back to Halifax, man, adding Randy Stotts and Ryan Banesh to that offense just completely changes the dynamic. I truly believe that Stotts has a, the capability to be an MVP this year. Uh, he looked so good. He had seven points. I know there's a couple other guys that have more points than him, um, but he's that floor general. Uh, it was great to see. Uh, from a broadcast standpoint, yeah, of course, uh, John and myself would have would have loved to have a little bit of a closer game. But even though it was a blowout, um, 
it just still was so it was such an entertaining game um you know it's not for a lack of chances that philadelphia couldn't score it's just uh you know halifax defense played really well and warren hill anytime that that defense broke down uh he came up huge so it was great to be back with john and ashley both of them are such pros john calls an unbelievable game whether it's the nhl or the nll he is a true pros pro and ashley does such great work on the sidelines, uh, whether she's you know interviewing players or coaches, uh, but all the hard work that she does during the week um, and weeks leading up to each game, talking to players, doing her prep, um, finding those unique stories that not everyone can find and adding that human element to it. Uh, it's awesome. She, she does a great job and, and it just makes our broadcast that much better. Um, I really enjoy working with those two. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait for my next tsn.ca game where i'm going to be able to work uh with my shotgun rider um pete dalladay who does an unreal job as well and we have a new sideline reporter this year mackie jenner who uh i'm really excited to work with she's one of the young budding stars of lacrosse media and she's going to do an awesome job um on the sideline for us this year I would. I wish I could have watched that game Friday night, but I was doing camera work for the University of Guelph Griffins that night. But one thing I want to do, give a shout out to, is the camera operators and the guys who operate the graphics and do the audio as well. It's really, truly a team effort for a broadcast. Oh, I mean, if it wasn't for you guys behind the scenes, we wouldn't be on air. Uh, you guys are the ones that really, really are the stars of the show. We just show up put our headsets on. Sure. We do our prep during the week, but you know, you guys are there a lot earlier setting up the truck, getting everything ready, whether it's graphics or camera operators, uh, stats, um, audio. Like I, I don't think people realize how much goes into a broadcast, especially like it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a university broadcast or a TSN broadcast. Like it, there is so much that goes into it. But when you're dealing with a TSN broadcast, like you go into that truck and the amount of people that are in there and they all have their one specific job. And if one person's not doing their job, uh, I mean, it completely can change the outcome of the broadcast. It's very similar to a team atmosphere in a game, right? Like, um, Bill Belichick says it all the time. Do your job and don't worry about the outcome. If you take care of what you need to do, the results will follow. And that's exactly what it is when it comes to a broadcast as well. And uh, I've seen it with Rogers TV and with uh, Griff Vision as well. And like I said, I'm now learning how to do replay. Uh, do I saw the scoreboard that. graphics. So um, the more I, I, I just want to continue to keep learning and keep doing more and more because I think that's important in, in media now. Even if you want to go into radio, the more you can do, the more of an asset you become. 1000%. It is, uh, you know, it, the industry is changing and it's ever changing. And if you can become more marketable and you can learn more things and you have more tools in your toolkit, uh, you're just going to become more hireable and there's going to be more opportunities come for, coming for you. The days of, of a one-trick pony in media is no longer. I mean, sure, you have uh, people that have been established in the industry forever, um, but now if you want to break through, the more um, skills that you have, uh, the better. Uh, you know, if, if you can write, that's great. If you can do um, some play-by-play, -play, that's awesome. If you can do stuff behind the, the scenes, like doing camera or even editing in some reporting, whatever it is, the more you can do, the better. And what I always say 
um, to anyone who, you know, asks for advice on how to break into the industry or anything like that. I just say try everything because you won't know if you like something unless you try it. And if you don't like it, that doesn't mean you have to do it anymore. At least you gave it a try. But let's say if, if you try doing graphics and never done it before, you might find out, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this or I really like this. So I always say, you know, try everything because you never know what might be a hidden talent. And, and again, um, those guys that are in the truck, um, you know, they've worked hard for many years and they are traveling all over the place. Like our, the people that are working on our TSN show are the same guys that are working on, you know, an NHL show or, you know, working for the Raptor. Like it is a very tight knit community. So if you work your way up um, behind the scenes, there are some great opportunities and some great people that you can work with. And that's one thing I will say, Chris, um, the people that you meet in this industry, they are just top notch, always so nice and so willing to help. That's, that's what one of my favorite things is coming in and out of these games, whether it's in Halifax or Hamilton or Buffalo, um, the people are just great. And everyone wants to just have a great show and have fun while doing it. Because at the end of the day, yeah, it is work, but you're, you're, you're at a live event, um, you know, helping a, a broadcast a go yeah. to air. That's pretty cool. It's a, you know, we're it really is. lucky. It is. And I really enjoy it. And uh, I still get a little bit nervous when I do camera at the beginning or graphics or replay. But once the game starts, I'm just completely focused on my task and the broadcast, making it as best as a best to uh, be a part of the broadcast is um, I should word this better. Just being a part of the team and being mm -hmm. part of a live broadcast. I really enjoy it. You know what, Chris, it, you know, nerves aren't a bad thing because if you're, if you don't have nerves or you're not excited or you don't have those pregame jitters, it probably means you don't care. And if you don't care, that's an issue like myself. Yeah, sure. I'm not as nervous going on air as I once was, you know, when I first started doing some of these games or even, you know, at school volunteering, um, you know, for different school broadcasts or whatever it may be. But you still get that little rush at the start of the game. You still feel like a little bit of butterflies while you hear your producer and you're, you're counting you down until you're opening. And when that goes away, Chris, that means that, you know, I shouldn't be doing this anymore because I do honestly feel so lucky and, and, and so honored uh, to be able to bring the NLL to, to people's living rooms uh, each and every week on TSN and TSN.ca and ESPN too, which again, um, it's been a few times now, but pretty cool. I uh, I still always have a little bit of a smile on my face when I see that there's one of our games going to ESPN. Never would have thought that would have been been a thing with lacrosse, but here we are, man. This this game has grown quite a bit. This league also reminds me a little bit about the CFL, and uh, that's why I like it. It's really a fans league, and that's mm -hmm. why I like the CFL. But I I see similarities between both leagues. Yeah, absolutely. It is a fans league. It's a it's a gate driven league yeah sure you know what tsn and espn those deals are awesome for growing fans but at the end of the day uh in order for the league to survive and not just survive but thrive um is getting butts in the seats and i will say it uh my producers <laughs> and, and might not like it but um to get the ultimate experience yeah it's great to listen to us and watch us on on a broadcast but to get the true nll experience you got to be in that building, man. It is it is such a great show. And as obviously you've been to a few games now, you really feel it. You feel like it is just such a cool experience. It's such a great vibe. Um, fans are great. And 
I couldn't agree more. Like you, you talk to players, they know um, how important the fans, the fans are the, you know, the, the heartbeat of this league. And, and, and that's why I really like this league. It's the same with the CFL as well. And when I go to a lacrosse game, I there's some sporting events sometimes you look at your watch. Never looked at my watch once. And uh, I was even telling some of the fans, uh, I'm just hoping this game will go to overtime and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just I wanted overtime. The only thing better than lacrosse, Chris, is free lacrosse and more lacrosse. I, I totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean – I'm glad you you've you fallen in love with the game, but I tell everyone all the time if they haven't seen a game or haven't gone to a game, it just takes one. Once you see it, I promise you, I absolutely promise you that you will love the game. And if you don't have fun, I'll buy your ticket back because I know you're not only going to enjoy yourself, you're going to be looking at the schedule and seeing when's the next game you can go to or the next game that you can watch on TSN. This leads to my next question. Um, overall thoughts on the first full week of the National Lacrosse League. Were there some surprises, some upsets, and and uh, some teams that you just really were like surprised about? So my first overall thoughts, I will say, is I did not expect that offensive explosion. Normally what we see in the first couple of weeks, similar to a lot of sports like the NFL, um, the NBA, it takes a while for the offense to click and usually you'll see the defenses start to thrive, but you know, we had 18 goals scored by Halifax, 19 by Toronto. Um, there was almost 30 goal or yeah, just under 29 goals scored in between San Diego and New York. Um, Rochester had 16 Saskatchewan scored 18. So like, the offenses were absolutely dialed in, in week one. So that would be my biggest takeaway is that a lot of these offenses are already in mid-season form. Um, some upsets or some things that were surprises. Uh, I certainly think Albany knocking off Buffalo was a shock. I knew Albany was going to be a team that's tough to play against, and they always play really well against Buffalo. Uh, but I was not anticipating them not only winning, but um, keeping the bandits down to just 10 goals. I thought they would have been one of those teams, um, you know, in the mid teens or even closer to 20 um, Rochester. I picked, you know, I picked that I picked Georgia to win, but I thought that was going to be a closer game. I didn't, I really did not see them scoring 16 goals, but that just goes to show you the offensive boost boost um, that a, you know, Connor Fields brings to that lineup. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I, he, you know, he feels like he should have been protected, um, you know, in that expansion draft. And he was selected by Vegas, but then Vegas traded him um, to Rochester. And he felt like he should have been protected by Buffalo. So he's got a chip on his shoulder now playing for a rival of the team that he grew up loving and playing. And he was a ball boy for the bandits. I don't think a lot of people know that he's from uh, the Western New York area. So he's a guy that, you know, obviously very upset um, that he was taken, but he's happy to be in Rochester. And I mean, how could he not? He, he absolutely lit the world on fire last week. Um, Saskatchewan, I picked, I will say I'll, I'll toot my own horn. I did pick them to beat the defending champions, but I did not think um, they were going to blow them out by 12 goals. Like I think Saskatchewan's a team. They had a down year last year, didn't make the playoffs, which it seemed like in a million years, uh, but they're back. The offense looks great. Uh, the defense is always stout in, in Saskatchewan and bringing in Alex Bouquet. Um, if he could play solid all year long, like this Saskatchewan team is a team that could compete for a championship. 
we were since you were mentioning this, um, I had to ask you this as well. Expansion team. Obviously, the leagues now have has fifteen teams, eight in the East, seven in the West. I haven't had an opportunity to see Vegas's uh, first game yet. I should look into that. But uh, who are where are some possibilities for this league? Is there obviously they want to get it to a balanced league at sixteen teams, eight each? To me, Seattle. We brought this up, I, I think, last year. Seattle, to me, should be a strong consideration for a lacrosse expansion team. Yeah, I think Seattle certainly would be a no-brainer for for an opportunity of of maybe somewhere that the NLL could expand to. Um, they've got a new building. Um, of course, it all matters about ownership. Is there a group that's interested in bringing an NL team um, to Seattle? It would make a lot of sense. You could build a rivalry with Vancouver. Um, but I do, I agree with you. I think it has to be another team out West to have that balance of eight and eight. And I think once they get to eight and eight, I think they honestly will stick at 16 teams for a few years, make sure the league is stable, make sure all the teams, um, you know, are thriving. I'm not saying that there wouldn't be some relocations, um, but I think in terms of expansion, they'll go with one more and listening to Brett Frude, one of the new, the new commissioner of, um, the NLL. I've had conversations with him, but I was listening to one of the podcasts that he was on um, this week, and he's not overly, you know, pushing for getting that 16th team. He would rather it come organically. Like, of course, it's something on their radar, uh, but it's not something that it's got to be the right ownership group. It's got to be the right, um, you know, destination. And to kind of go back to the, the the question that you had was where could it be? Well, Edmonton certainly would be somewhere where I think they would be open to go back to. I think they would need to have ownership possibly with the Edmonton Oilers um, in that new building. I, I know that is something that is of interest that I'm hearing grumblings of that could be there. Uh, Minnesota getting a team back uh, in Minnesota, whether it's, you know, in St. Paul, um, you know, at the XL or uh, energy, I think that would be a great spot. They they had a smaller fan base, but it was a passionate, passionate fan base. There's still a lot of people, um, you know, championing uh, for them to get their team back. Winnipeg is another opportunity. The only issue with Winnipeg is that arena is very busy um, during the winter, so it would be tough um, for them to find nights to play in. Uh, but I think they would embrace that. There's a lot of great growth in Manitoba lacrosse at the grassroots level, at the junior level. We're seeing more players um, being drafted to the NLL from there. So that would be a pretty good spot. Um, but yeah, those would be the the locations that I think um, we would probably see with expansion. Uh, and then once they get to 16, maybe we see some relocation in the East. Uh, I know there's a lot of... Um, appetite for possibly a team in Montreal or Ottawa, but I don't think those would be expansion teams because there's already a, a great number of eight uh, in the East. So maybe we would see a team relocate. Who knows? Um, but yeah, if if you go with expansion, you got to look out West. And I think you got to look at any of those cities that I just listed. One thing I wanted to, to mention too is this league needs stability because it's not really good for the league long term to have teams relocate on a constant basis. So it's nice to have markets that are established. 
And that's exactly what um, the new leadership with Brett Frude has made it evidently clear. He is more interested in the health of the current teams, the franchises that are in the league, rather than finding that, you know, forcing uh, a 16th team. Uh, he would rather make sure that all these other franchises are healthy and are thriving rather than just going out just so they can say they have 16 teams, eight and eight in each side. So that is something that's refreshing to hear. Um, Nick Sakevich, the old commissioner, he did some really great things with this league, I will say. Uh, and I'm not going to knock that, but it just seems like the point of emphasis was a bit too much on uh, expanding you know, getting new teams in the league, which some of them have been great. Um, but some of the teams that maybe were struggling kind of got put on the back burner. So I think it's much better to establish, like you said, make sure those teams that are in the league, you know, are thriving, they're strong markets. Um, you know, make sure you got great arena deals, make sure you have the right people in place to run those teams before just bringing in another franchise. The one team I wanted to mention with you is, do you really think the New York Riptide long-term can survive in New York City? There's so many, there's so much to do in that city, so much uh, competition with entertainment dollars. I just want your thoughts on the New York Riptide. So luckily for the Riptide, they do play in Long Island, which isn't directly in the city. But with that being said, uh, it's still, you know, it's still a tough sell. Um, they have not had great attendance uh, this, this week or last week, I should say, uh, was a little better. I don't don't believe I saw the final number of what their attendance was, but it sounded um, like it was a, a much more energetic building. Um, the thing, and you and I know, Chris, uh, across all sports, uh, winning helps sell. And I think this year and for years to come, they have a really good team. Um, are they going to make the playoffs this year? I don't know. They're going to compete, though. They really are. They have Jeff Teat, who is, in my personal opinion, a candidate for MVP this year in just his second season. Um, he is a special, special player. When you think Jeff Teat, think Connor McDavid, think Nathan McKinnon. Like he is a generational talent. That offense is going to be one of the most uh, dynamic offense. They put up 14 against San Diego, who a lot of people, including myself, have as the top contender in the West. So uh, if they can win, if they can prove that they're a team that is going to be competing night in, night out, I think there's an opportunity for for growth. I think there is an opportunity there. I don't think they're ever going to be the Buffalo Bandits that has consistently over 11, 12, 13, 14,000 fans or a even a smaller um, niche market like a Halifax who hovers around that eight, nine K like they might be a lower six, seven, um, which if they can consistently have that. I think the league will be okay with it. If it's if it's a, a strong fan base, a small but mighty fan base, I think they'll be okay with that. But there's no reason. Like Long Island has a long history of lacrosse, whether it is box lacrosse or even field lacrosse. Like there's no reason that they can't have, you know, eight or nine thousand in that building night in and night out. And I think uh, you know what a, a playoff run certainly could help doing that next year. Like if you're in the Long Island area and you're a lacrosse fan and you're not going to see Jeff T compete every single night, there's something wrong because, again, there's a lot of field lacrosse fans on Long Island. Um, they just haven't been converted to box lacrosse fans. And, Chris, in my personal opinion, I love field lacrosse. I played the college level. Uh, I, I still watch it. But box lacrosse is just so much more more entertaining. 
I'm going to be honest, when I was growing up as a kid, I did not like the North American Soccer League, but they had an indoor version, indoor soccer. Yeah. Where they played at Maple Leaf Gardens, the Odd in Buffalo, and I loved it. It was exciting, and I wish they would bring back indoor soccer, just like with indoor lacrosse. I just, I, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I do recall the the indoor soccer leagues. Yeah, I know, uh, I can't remember the, the team in Buffalo, but they, they the had a perennial... Buffalo Blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah, I think yeah, the Buffalo or the Blizzard. That's right. Or the or the Stallions, Buffalo Stallions. Okay. Yeah, one of those two names. It might have been two different franchises cuz yeah. I definitely remember seeing seeing the 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 Blizzard, but yeah. Um and then, you know, it, it is. It, it is a much more entertaining um product in my personal opinion. And again, I I like both both disciplines of lacrosse. Um but it's just more more fast paced. Like I feel like if you're a true lacrosse fan, you like field lacrosse because it's very strategic and it's you know there's a lot more like it's a slower game, but it's more of like a chess match. Um, whereas in, in in box lacrosse, I heard you talk about it before and say this, but you know it's like a blend of hockey and basketball mixed together. Like I don't think people really realize how close it is to basketball. Like it obviously. You know, you have the changes of offense and defense, but when you watch uh, an offensive uh, possession in lacrosse with the picks and the rolls, the screens, like a lot of the the offenses that are are designed um, in the game of, of of lacrosse are very similar to what you see in basketball. So if you're a fan of basketball, there's no reason why you couldn't be a fan of the game of lacrosse. Absolutely. And this leads to this question, uh, Pat, uh, you've all, all obviously mentioned Saskatchewan and New York, but what other teams uh, you do you think could surprise and improve upon last year's season? Yeah, so obviously I, I won't need to go into it too much more, but definitely Saskatchewan and, and definitely New York uh, from one team in the East and in the West. A team that, oh man, I, I had a lot of... Um, hope for them to to start the season off stronger was Vancouver. Um, I thought last year they started out hot. Mitch Jones was an MVP candidate. He goes down with injury. Their, their, their goaltending goes cold, and it really just kind of turned into a messy situation in Vancouver. They're a team that I want to hope they can improve their record and at least compete for a playoff spot. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs after watching them in Toronto? Probably not, but they didn't play an exhibition game um, in the preseason, which blew my mind. Um, and they looked like a team that did not play an exhibition game last week. So they're a team that maybe could, but they're playing behind the eight ball. Um, certainly with their goaltending situation, they didn't go out and address after they lost uh, Alex Bouquet going in with a, a perennial backup in Steve Pryor, who has been a great backup. He's, you know, the, he has shown at times that he can be a goalie in this league. He just hasn't shown it um, for a large sample size. Panthers city. They're a very intriguing team to me. They were on the outside looking in last year. They went on an absolute tear uh, winning. I think it was eight or nine games in a row at some points last year. They, they didn't make the playoffs, uh, but they're a team that I think could improve on what was a still a pretty impressive um, start to their season in the East. I, I still think Halifax, I still think Buffalo and Toronto are your top three teams. Like I really do believe those teams doesn't matter 
you can you can interchange those three teams. I think it's going to be Toronto, uh, Buffalo, and Halifax in that order. But it wouldn't shock me if Buffalo finished first or Halifax finished first. Those three teams are going to be really, really good, and they're going to compete. The question is, who's going to get that fourth spot? Is it a team like the Riptide? Are they going to be that team that gets that fourth spot? Is it going to be Philadelphia, who finished in fifth but had that crossover spot? Um, or is it going to be Georgia? Do they bounce back? Do they improve on what was a disappointing season? They have Lyle Thompson, who is one of, if not the best player on the planet, whether it's the indoor or the outdoor game. Um, their goaltending is certainly a cause for concern. Um, they got touched up pretty good, getting 16 scored against them. Craig Wendy, similar to what I was talking about with Steve Fryer, hasn't proven that he can be a legitimate number one. So that is a cause for concern. Um, and Albany, look at Albany, look at Rochester. Uh, those are two teams that I think if you surveyed, you know, 10 people across the league, whether they're fans or whether they're media folks, a lot of them had Albany and Rochester near the bottom of the East. But after the way they started, it wouldn't surprise me if they're one of those teams battling for that wild card spot to play the crossover, um, for a team in the West. And it is unfortunate that, you know, we have eight and seven, eight in the east, seven in the west, and we still have that crossover game um, because I would have loved to see four and four. Like, I think it would have made for a really interesting battle um, in the east. Um, but again, hey, it, it, it just kind of goes to show you whoever that fifth team, the wild card team is going to be, if it's whether in it's the fifth in the east or the fourth in the west, uh, they're going to have to really earn that last playoff spot. Same playoff format as last year, Pat? Yes. So the only difference, which I'm actually pretty intrigued about, is uh, so round one, it's a one and done. So if you lose, you're done. Uh, the the conference finals will be at best two or three, and the finals would be a best two out of three. The only uh, difference, it is going to be more of a compressed uh, schedule. So instead of having game one on one weekend, game two on uh, on another weekend, game three on the following weekend, it's going to be compressed. So we might actually see, um, you know, a finals have a game on a Friday, uh, a game on a Sunday, and then the finals the following week, or possibly on the Monday of, of the uh, Memorial Day weekend is when they will wrap up the season with at least game one and two, which is awesome. Memorial Day weekend, uh, big, big holiday in the States. It's an opportunity for, um, you know, a lot of lacrosse fans because that's also the NCAA men's division one, two and three finals, which is a huge event on ESPN. So you're going to have an opportunity where there's a lot of American lacrosse fans tuning into games uh, during the day on ESPN. And then right after that game, the NLL game one or game two of the finals, uh, uh, you know, accumulates there. Also, we talked about a little bit before the, the premier lacrosse, like the PLL, the professional field lacrosse uh, league, they start after that weekend. So it allows for the NLL season to wrap up. And some of those players that play in both leagues, there won't be any conflicts, which is huge for the growth of the game of lacrosse. And there's also the world field lacrosse championships for the men's this year in San Diego, um, which also condenses the season for the PLL this year. Like there's an op they're going to have to pause because 
um, you know, the world championships going on, which will also be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. They're playing it in San Diego um, at Snapdragon Arena, the same, or sorry, yeah. uh, stadium, the same stadium that we're going to see an outdoor game um, this year for the NL, which I'm super excited about. So if you're a lacrosse fan, it is a huge, huge year for lacrosse with so many different events going on. I was going to bring that up with you because my friend Patrick lives in San Diego and uh, he wanted me to mention that to you about the outdoor game against uh, Vegas against San Diego. And um, how many fans do you expect for that game? And is TSN going to be, is TSN going to send you guys or a crew out there to cover that game? Uh, unfortunately not. It won't be a TSN game of the week. I was holding, you know, fingers crossed that they were going to send us out, but no, they're going to have an ESPN crew out there, which is awesome. So the ESPN crew will do, do their game of the week from there. Um, you know, having San Diego and Vegas there is, is great. It's going to have an opportunity for both newer franchises to promote themselves. They have the same ownership. Um, with Joe Sy, obviously Vegas has a couple more different investors with Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, and, and Steve Nash, but um, it's allowing them to, um, you know, have a little more synergy between the two franchises, similar to like how Buffalo um, and and Rochester are both owned by Pagula Sports and Entertainment. Um, so that's also, you know, they're, they're, they're better rivals are going to be better rivals, but they have the same ownership, which is kind of a unique, um, but I'm excited for it. Like, I think this is, this is awesome in terms of how many fans I think are going to be there. Oh man. I honestly don't even want to take a guess. Um, you know, San Diego, they draw. Okay. For playoffs, they get, they certainly get a lot more. Um, you know, if, if they can get to 12,000, I think that's awesome. If they can get over that, um, that would be amazing. And I don't know if they're going to kind of do what we've seen in, in years past with the heritage classic or the winter classic, where, you know, the, the, the arenas in the middle of the field, and then there's no seating around. Like, I don't know if they're going to build out seating, um, you know, put temporary seating or if everyone's going to be in the stadium seating, but Man, if, if you are in San Diego and you're not even a lacrosse, if you're just a sports fan, um, I, well, one, you should be going to Seals games. I know their arena, Pachanga, is not in the best location. It's an old arena. It's tough to get to. They have a lot of Friday games. There's so much going on in Southern California. So I understand that, although shame on you if you're not going to some games. But if you're not going to that outdoor game, man, it is going to be a spectacle. They're going to put on a great show. And you can say you're part of history being at one of the first games, um, you know, of the first uh, NLL game played outside. So I I'm excited for it. Uh, haven't checked my schedule to see if we have a TSN game or a, a Halifax game. If I've got the weekend off, I might have to cruise down to SoCal and check that game out. I was just about to ask you that as well. And speaking of that, I'm going to wrap this up too, Pat. Uh, when is your next game for TSN and uh, which games do you really look forward to doing this year? Do you have a pre-schedule of games you're doing or is it a week by week basis? No. So I, I have my schedule set. And uh, as we were talking off air, it is just the way that the schedule kind of works for the game of the week. It's a little bit of a slower start for me um, as my next game's not until January 13th back in Halifax uh, against Albany, but that's going to be a great game. Um, Albany beat Halifax last year. Halifax really has a sour taste in their mouth, but we saw what Albany was able to do despite losing so many offensive pieces last year. 
they're a team that's going to compete. So um, that's my next TSN game. Uh, I know I have a couple of TSN.ca games following that. I think my first five games, Chris, are all in Halifax. I don't get to um, I don't get to Hamilton until March 11th, I believe. Which, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it is pretty crazy. I get to go to Saskatchewan this year again, which I'm super pumped about. February 25th, uh, it's going to be the Rush and the Warriors. So I'm super excited to get out uh, to to the Saskatel Center. That place is an unbelievable place to watch a lacrosse game. The fans in Rush Nation are diehards. They are very similar to Ryder fans. Like they love their they love their Rush. They're passionate. They've packed that building every night. And if if they can start winning games at the start of the year this year and get back to their winning ways, they're you know I'm not going to say they're going to be a dynasty again. But if they can start winning early on, I think their crowds are only going to get bigger and bigger out in Sask. Some other games I'm looking forward to. Um, Friday, March 3rd, uh, Buffalo at Halifax. I think that's going to be a great game. I'm really excited to see Buffalo in person. Believe it or not, uh, I think I only see Buffalo twice this year during the regular season. I see them in uh, Hamilton uh, on April 1st. So that's another game I'm going to be circling on my calendar. Anytime you get Buffalo, Toronto, man, Toronto. like it is it is an unbelievable rivalry. In my personal opinion, it's the best rivalry in the NLL. Um, those two teams hate each other. And what we saw last year with Buffalo sweeping Toronto in the finals, it was the closest sweep I've ever seen in my yes. life. Like both games came down to the last possession. Um, we saw one goal get called back um, in game two that allowed Buffalo to punch their ticket to the final. So I'm super stoked um about that one it's not a tsn game of the week game chris but february 19th um it's a tsn.ca game it's in halifax they're playing new york i'm really excited to see that offense uh to see jeff t up close and personal saw him only once last year uh halifax did a great job i think it was the only game he didn't have multi-points um all season long as a rookie. Like he had one of the best, if not the best rookie season we ever seen in NL history. And, and Graham Hossick and the Halifax Thunderbirds did a great job shutting him down, just had an assist. So when he gets back in Halifax, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's the type of player that's going to remember that this is the only team that was able to slow me down. So I'm excited to see him. And um, yeah, like I, I you know, I've got, uh, 15 games this year during the regular season. So I'm uh, between TSN and TSN.ca. I'm super stoked. I, I'm so glad the NLL's back. Um, I am a little bit jealous uh, of Teddy Jenner and Brad Challoner and Chantel Chan, the West crew, that they have a ton of games to start the year. Um, but we'll get back in the saddle on March and April. John, myself, and Ashley are going to be very, very busy bouncing back between Hamilton uh, and Halifax. But wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Couple of my guests I've been involved with the uh, NL, uh, Renee Hamilton and yep. uh, Daniela Ponticelli. She loved her uh, time uh, with the Saskatchewan Rush, and uh, I think she's gonna go back, come do this, come back and do some uh, games for them possibly as well. She's a great guest too, by the way. I don't know, have you ever had any dealings with her? 
just uh chatting with her on social media never crossed paths uh you know with her um when i was in saskatchewan before but uh, yeah, she does a great job whether it's with the nll or any of her work in u sports uh her work when she, you know with global like she is she is fantastic at her job and she's she's a great great person as well but she was one of the better sideline reporters that we had in the nll when she was working with the russian you mentioned uh renee washington obviously she worked with the nll before uh but she's now back doing some nll content um she's she's working with the daily dive so check that out it's a daily show i believe it's monday to friday um they do a live stream so it's again it's great to see more lacrosse content out there whether it's you know their show with the daily dive uh you know i've i've got a podcast with teddy jenner you're starting to do more NLL content with interviews with, you know, folks like myself and John Gertler and others. So the more NLL content, um, and it doesn't have to just be TSN or ESPN, um, some of the independent uh, work that people do, the more content that that's out there, the more opportunity for people to really sink their teeth into the game and, and, and really follow the game. Um, Cause you know, with the NFL, you know, Every single day, you can flip on the NFL network or head on to Twitter or whatever it may be. There is a lot of content uh, to be consumed. Same with the NHL, NBA, MLB, whatever it may be. Uh, but when it comes to all, there's not as much content out there. Uh, but the people that are putting out content are doing an unreal job. And that's why I see so many similarities between the National Cross League and the CFL as well. I'm trying to do as much content with the CFL as the National Cross League. And I told one of the guys today, I'm now a season ticket holder for the Toronto Argonauts as of uh, today. Uh, nice. I, I said. I said, now that the CFL's uh, taking a break until May, the National Lacrosse League will fill in for the CFL until the CFL comes back in May and June. Oh, I love, I love to hear that, Chris. I know, uh, I'll be honest... You know, hadn't followed the CFL for really intently for the last few years, but this year started watching it a little bit more, went to the the Grey Cup. I can promise you next summer I will be heading down to BMO Field and, and watching a game because um, especially the, some of those playoff games, the atmosphere there yep. looked great. And the it's such a great location. There's no reason why people shouldn't be going. And I'm at fault. I didn't go to a game this year. I will be going to a game next year. So I'll have to hit you up um, and, and meet you for a cold one uh, at the game because I'm excited to get, get back there and, and uh, really take in because, you know, going to games at the Rogers center to watch a football game, even a baseball was, game, it's, yeah. it's brutal, but uh, you know, BMO field, I know it's, it's traditionally a, a soccer stadium, uh, but it looks like an awesome place to watch football. It is, and they uh, the East Final, um, I took my nephew to his first ever CFL Argo game there, and he liked it, not just for the beer factor, but the <laughs> fact that there is 22,000 fans there. It wasn't completely sold out, but it was loud and noisy, and the stadium was rocking, and it's a great uh, place to watch a football game, and it's the only place in Canada you'll see your grass fields as well. Yes, and that that is yeah definitely a a great point for sure. Yeah, I'm I will be going to a game. Uh, you can hold me to that. I absolutely Def will be going. And before I wrap this up, Pat, I'm going to wrap this up. I had to ask you this since you're a Bills fan. Quick thoughts on the the Buffalo Bills now being without Von Miller for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Yeah, that's a tough loss. Uh, Von Miller was definitely a game changer. Um, you know, it, just bringing a different dynamic to that defense. So that's certainly going to hurt, but I've heard you say this on your show or even on Twitter. It's, it's all about the next man up, right? So 
um, you know, the Bills are going to have to find someone else to to step in that role. Is it going to be an Ed Oliver? Well, I think it certainly has to be. So for me, yes, um, it, it is unfortunate, but injuries happen in sports. It's how you bounce back from these injuries. Who's going to step up? So um, definitely in the playoffs, I think he was going to be a, a game changer uh, and bring a different dynamic to what the Bills were missing before. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, you know, the the inability to stop the run, the inability to run the ball, like those are issues that I think would plague the Bills more in the postseason. So I'm more concerned about how they're able to counteract some of those weaknesses that they have in their team rather than, than losing a key piece in Von Miller. Am I upset about it? Absolutely. Um, I was hoping he was going to be back to the playoffs. He's not going to be. So next man up mentality. How are you going to bounce back? And I'm, I'm interested to see And the way they've been playing the last couple of weeks, you know, Josh Allen eliminating the turnovers in the red zone, uh, eliminating turnovers in general, maybe not making quite trying to make that perfect pass um, them committing to running the ball more. Um, those are things that I'm more positive of seeing. We'll see if they can do it later in the season and in the postseason. Um, but certainly they're starting to, you know, take away some of those concerns that I uh, and I know you you mentioned it as well. Uh, those were concerns in that middle part of the season um, that was making you really concerned about this Bills team. But I think they're on the right path of improving. As long as I still feel they need to stay with that running game. Because look at the Eagles. Their offense can do it running with Hertz or Sanders or Scott. And then they have the receivers. Buffalo now, they can take some pressure off Josh Allen. I I, I think I, I've been one of his critics and skeptics. And I think he's been doing too much. And I think having James Cook along with Devin Singletary, who's developed, gives him another threat. And I know a lot of Bills fans like the passing game and stuff. But in the playoffs and the weather gets bad, you need to be able to run the ball. And, and you can't have Josh Allen throw it 50 times and run it 30 times. He's a human being. He can only do so much. And I just think it would take a lot more pressure off of him as well by having a, a consistent running game. Certainly it helps. And I, I think he has to be a part of that running game with some design yes. runs Yes, with, you know, and they need to, because he is a freak athlete. He's a big body. He, you know, sometimes it scares me when he takes some of those hits, but yeah. um, you cannot, you cannot just make him into a pocket passer. Like he has to be that dynamic player. Absolutely. But if you look at, at the last few games and uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think in, in the last four games that they've uh, or three games that they've won, he's been around that 30 attempts instead of, you know, 40, 50, I think against the lions, he had 42, um, but still, uh, he, you know, the, the, he, it's not as pass heavy. And in the second half, Ken Dorsey was driving me nuts at the start of the year. They just neglected the run and it was all pass, pass, pass. And you know, the reason they were like blowing a lot of these big leads was because they continued to throw the ball. Um, and the easiest way to kill clock in football is just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, sacrifice a little bit of those big plays for just killing and chewing up the clock. Um, so the play calling has been a lot better. Um, in the second half or the last few weeks. Yeah, I know they're playing some inferior opponents, um, but certainly I think they're on the right track to getting back to that dynamic offense, to getting back to a well-balanced team between the run and between the pass. I know it's turning into a pass-heavy league, um, but like you said, it playoff time, snow, 
you know, wind, whatever it may be, uh, you got to run the ball and it can't just be in the first half. It's got to be the entire game. And I think they're doing a much better job. And you mentioned James Cook. That's a big, big part of it. He's looking really good in that offense. Absolutely. And they're going to need him because I feel they're going to they're gonna have five games left. We're going to wrap this up, Pat. But there's sure. one game I'm really looking forward to is seeing I I Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo at Cincinnati on Monday Night Football. The Bengals, who have been kind of counted out here this year, have been really playing good football. Chase is now back and they have a tremendous uh, team. And I, I really think that could be a pre could be a possible preview of an AFC championship game. Yeah, you know what, Chris? Like, if I had to choose a team to play, and it's crazy that I'm going to say this with, you know, what this team has been able to do in years past. If I had to choose for a team to play in the playoffs right now, if I'm, you know, if I'm the Bills, I'd rather play the Chiefs than than the Bengals right now. Like, the Bengals are a are a team that is primed um, for playoff football. Do I want to play the Chiefs? If, you know, for Definitely not. But if I had had to choose, I think I'd play the Chiefs because the Bills have proven in the past um, they can compete. They've beat them in the regular season. They haven't been able to beat them in the playoffs. But, you know, if Bills get the home field advantage against the Chiefs, I think they can beat them. I, I have a hard time believing that they can go into Arrowhead again and beat them twice in the same year. That's just so, so tough to do. If they can get home field advantage, I think they'll be at a much better spot. But with that being said, the Bengals, they can run the ball. Uh, Joe Burrow is an unbelievable talent. Um, he's not going to put up the numbers that some of the other top quarterbacks in the league do, but when when you need that big throw, when you need that big play, he's the guy time and time again and that does it. And he just plays his best football when it matters the most. And that's in the playoffs. That's down the stretch. This is two years in a row now that they've been able to do this. They're healthy, like you mentioned, and their defense is supremely, supremely underrated. Their secondary is so good. What they were able to do uh, to neutralize Patrick Mahomes and only allow 24 points against, like that is impressive. I totally agree. That Monday nighter um, is going to be huge. And I think at that point, it could be make or break for the Bills for getting home field advantage. Uh, it could be a real uh, a tone setter, um, like you said, because I know the Bengals kind of struggle at the start of the year. But as you and I know, it doesn't matter it, uh, how you finish. Sure, it'd be great to get home field advantage, but you'd much rather be playing your best football leading oh, wow. into the postseason rather than starting out hot and fizzling like we're seeing some of these other teams in the league. And that's what I want to see with the Eagles. Uh, 11-1 is nice, but I want to see the team continue to play well defensively, offensively, like they did against a very good Tennessee team. And that's how you want to go into the playoffs. It's not basically your – because sometimes best record in the regular season doesn't translate to playoff success. It's how you're playing when it comes – when it matters. That's how – you summed it up there, Pat. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think these next few weeks will be huge for the Eagles. I think they already had their lull in the middle of the season where they're, you know, just scraping by beating some teams that game against the Colts, but yes, I think they have, and you know, the, the, the game against the Packers, but you know, them taking on the Titans who, uh, you know, are, uh, are a little bit of an underrated team. I don't think they're a team that's going to make any noise in the playoffs, but they're a tough team to play against. It was a, just an absolute whooping. So I think the Eagles, um, you know, if we can see a little bit more of that, they're all, I mean, their offense is absolutely dynamic. Um, They're a team that's really fun to watch. Uh, I think they're a team that 
you know, in the playoffs, you definitely don't want to play them because they can run the ball. They can run the ball. Their defense is strong. So I think I agree with you. These next few weeks are going to be really telling of what type of team the Eagles truly are because we know what they did at the start of the year. Can they finish strong is a big question mark. And I think they will. I really do. I believe this is a legitimate team. I think they're they're a powerhouse. They're going to be a – I mean, you look at the NFC East. I don't know how – or sorry, the NFC. I don't know how many teams you can – really say that are better than the Eagles right now. And Jalen Hurts, uh, he's really developed in his third year like Josh Allen. To me, there are so many similar similarities between both of them. Obviously, Allen's a little taller, a little stronger, but uh, I really would love to see a Buffalo-Philadelphia Super Bowl because each team's defenses are going to have to deal with a quarterback that can fly out of the pocket as well and Hertz has really become to me an elite quarterback yeah you know what Chris I uh, as much as that would be entertaining to see I don't know as a Bills fan if I want to see them in the Super Bowl but certainly it would be an awesome game it would be so much fun um, I, I do think that when each team is playing to their best abilities, I think they are the two best teams in the yeah. NFL. I really do. And to, to speak of, of Jalen Hurts, um, I told you a few weeks ago, uh, I know Patrick Mahomes right now is the betting favorite to be the MVP. Yeah. Uh, but if I had a vote, I'd be saying it's Jalen Hurts. Like I truly believe that this guy is, you know, he has proven that he is a, a top quarterback in this league. He doesn't turn the ball over. He runs the ball well. Um, and and he's not he's not a gadget quarterback. He's not a guy that's just gonna hand the ball off a ton. Yep. He his his arm strength has improved, his 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 touch has improved. Uh, and it just goes to show you you add different weapons um to a team, the quarterback is gonna be a lot better. So um I, I, as as fun as that Super Bowl would be, Chris, um, I would be a little bit scared to go up against the Eagles, but man, that would be a fun game to watch. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to wrap this up, Pat, but I'll definitely like to have you back again and uh, talk maybe more National Football League. And obviously, I uh, definitely want to have you back before the NLL playoffs and do a, a playoff preview show as well on here. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. I think, uh, you know, this lacrosse season, uh, it comes up fast. Like it, it, next thing you know, we're going to blink our eyes and it's going to be right Gone. in the thick of playoffs. So uh, 100%, I would love to pop on again, whether it's you know previewing the playoffs, a midseason, whatever it is, you hit me up, Chris. I'm always down to talk about lacrosse. And where can my audience follow you or find you on social media? And uh, your website was CoolBet Canada as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're in Ontario, CoolBet.ca, you can log on there. Uh, hit me up. I can help you get started um, with an account today. And if you want to hit me up, find me on Twitter at PGreggy. And on Instagram, you can follow me at, uh, at PGreggy22. If you want to follow CoolBet, go to CoolBet, um, like I said, CoolBet.ca or on our socials. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at CoolBetCanada. Uh, and again, if you're interested in lacrosse, if you're not too sure about the game, you want to become a new fan like Chris did, um, go to a game. If you're in the Hamilton GTA area, go to Hamilton. If you're in Buffalo, Western New York, check it out. Go to the NLL.com. Follow them on, on, on all the socials. Or if you're sitting on your couch, flip on TSN every single, pretty much every single week, there will be a game of the week. And the great part of it, if it isn't, um, and you have a cable provider, um, you can go on to tsn.ca and watch every single game, not just the games of the week. That is the beauty 
of uh, the deal with TSN or if you're in um, in the States, ESPN Plus. So uh, it's not just all about the, the game of the week. You can see every single game um, played in the National Lacrosse League, which is awesome. There's not too many leagues that you have access to every single game right at your yeah. fingertips. That's awesome. And Pat, I was going to say, thank you for giving me a 90 minutes and uh, 90 minutes of <laughs> no your worries. time. And no, it went by quick. Honestly, I know. I, I, w- I would not have guessed it's 90 minutes. So 90 uh, minutes, I, again, but, uh... again, anytime you, you want to have me on Chris to talk about, uh, to talk about lacrosse, talk about the bills, whatever it is, uh, I'd love to pop on. I, I think I hold the record for most appearances yep. on live with CDP. Yep. So I'm going to hold that title. Six. I'm going to hold Number it six. as long as I, there you go. Super Aaron six. Sand- I love it. Aaron Sanders, the voice of the Windsor express is at five. And I think I'm going to have Win- uh, Aaron on uh, soon to talk about the start of the national basketball league of Canada as well. And he's a really good guy. And I hope one day he gets an opportunity with uh, TSN or ESPN because he has that it factor for uh, broadcasting and the passion as well. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I I absolutely agree. I've seen some of uh, the shows that he's come on and uh, he's an absolute pro and uh, pretty awesome to see that league. Um, again, a league that I haven't followed, but I, you know, I got to check it out because yep. it seems like they're taking strides in the right direction to to grow that league properly. So I'll have to check out some games. Absolutely. All right, Pat, I'm going to let you go. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy the Thursday night game. I'm picking the Raiders over the Rams. And uh, I have the Bills over the Jets and the Eagles in a squeaker over the Giants. uh, Because I think Brian Dable is going to have that Giants team ready to play Sunday. Yeah, well, the, the 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 Giants are in you know must win territory. They've kind of slid since their hot start. Similar to what we were talking about, some teams playing really well at the start of the season, slowing down. So, you know, I think they got to come out and, and come out with a strong performance. I tend to agree, though. I would take the Eagles in that one, and I love hearing uh, that you're picking the Bills as well. So, go Bills, go Eagles. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the lacrosse games this weekend. Uh, two games on Friday, I think a couple of games on Saturday. So uh, we'll finally be able to see the debut of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs on Friday night. I know I'll be tuning into that. But Chris, thank you so much for having me, man. Uh, I love coming on. Keep up the hard work. It's great to see all the great work that you're doing and and all the strides that you're making. And uh, it's it's pretty awesome to see, man. Well, thank you so much, Pat. And you were one of the first guys to watch me and believe in me. And uh, I really appreciate your friendship and some of the advice you've given me the last couple of years as well. 100%, Chris. Uh, I enjoy it as well. And uh, I, again, uh, anytime, anytime you need to have me on, I'd love to uh, love to pop on here. And uh, yeah, so again, Chris, thanks for having me. I, I really do. Uh, I love coming on these, uh, these shows to, to talk a little across. All right. Well, I have a great night. Have a great weekend. And um, I'll see, I'll talk to you before social media, but I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year as well. Yes, you as well, Chris. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Pat. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah, you too, buddy. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my podcast tonight. Season 5, Episode 3 with Pat Gregor uh, from Coolback Canada. And he's also the TSN analyst on the Game of the Week and also a color analyst with the Halifax Thunderbirds. And you guys can check out coolbet.ca as well. And if you want to follow Pat, uh, follow Pat on Twitter at pgregory. Uh, 
he is very active on Twitter as well. So check him out on his Twitter page and on Coolback Canada. And guys, I'm just going to show you guys a bit of a post-game interview I did with uh, Ali Brady, uh, the in-game arena host from the Buffalo Bandits on Saturday night after the Albany uh, 11 to 10 win over Buffalo. Uh, just one second. I'm gonna. This is from uh, my YouTube channel. Um, you know, we we have a long road ahead of us, so this is not a bad thing. Just to get get the loss out of the way, and we'll continue on. So. We played hard. There was a couple, uh, a couple goals that were a little. Uh, uh, I don't know if they uh, called it right on the rough side, but yeah, we have a, a game uh, coming up again, so we'll clean the slate. How long have you been the in-game arena host for the Buffalo Bandits? Oh, great question. This is my second season. And what do you love about it the most? There is nothing quite like an NLL game. Um, the fans are so fun. It's loud. It's raucous. Um, the game is fast. There's music. So it's just, it doesn't stop, which is great. If somebody hasn't ever been to a lacrosse game, what would you what would you say to them about attending a Bandits game or a game across the National Lacrosse League? Yeah, I would say go. It's it's a fun. It's um, Unless you don't like sports, then you would have a terrible time. Uh, but it's, uh, it's affordable for the family. There's a, you know, like even in our stadium or arena we have seats anywhere from $15 to I don't know 55 so it's affordable for the family um again it's fun it's only on a Friday or Saturday so it works in everyone's schedule for the most part um yeah it's great two last questions uh what was your favorite moment from the Bandits season last year and uh when is the next uh Buffalo Bandits game here at the Key Bank Center um, my favorite memory last year was when we secured our spot um, into the uh, Eastern Conference when we got that title. And our next game is it the 27th or 28th? Is it the 30th? Everything blends in. Is it the you know you know Chris you know yep. it? Is it the 30th? 27th? I think I believe it's the 27th. Okay. 27th. Yeah, you know how uh, post yeah. holidays you just you're, you just uh, wipe all the uh, memory away. So it's the 27th. Have you always been a lacrosse fan? Yes, I've, I've always been a massive sports fan. I Luckily, I've, I've been born and raised in Buffalo, and we have a great hockey team. We have a football team. We've had um, a soccer team back in the early 90s, lacrosse. We had the Bandits since 1992. So I've always been around it, and um, especially um, a lot of high schools, they play lacrosse, and we have a big indigenous community in western New York. So it's around, um, it's around everywhere. So, yeah, I've been a fan my whole life. Last question, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this, Ellie. Will the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl this year? They're currently 9-3 and three after their win over the Patriots Thursday night. Um, I don't like to predict uh, because I don't want to jinx anything. I I don't think this is our year. I think there's too much pressure, and uh, but I think we're going to have extra football, if that makes sense. Right. So if extra football leads us to an extra football game, wink, wink, uh, then I'll be okay with that. I was going to say, too, uh, Josh Allen's got his own song, Allentown by Billy Joe. Yeah. What Jalen Hurts now has, Hurts So Good by John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah. So uh, I'd love to see a Buffalo-Philly Super Bowl. But, Ali, I'm going to let you go. But I want to say thank you so much for doing this interview after the game. I know it was a tough loss to a very good Albany team, 11-10. to 10, But I want to say it was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing this. And I will post this video on my YouTube channel and social media uh, pages when I get home tomorrow and get some sleep. Uh, well, um, uh, safe journey home. I know you came from Canada, so uh, 
Enjoy. Enjoy the coffee, Chris. Oh, too. thank you. I already had one. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, well, thanks again, Allie, for doing this. Allie Brady, the in-game arena host for the Buffalo Bandits. Guys, uh, we'll talk to you soon with live with CDP Sports Talk. All right, guys, that was just a clip of my post-game post interview with the in-game arena host for the Buffalo Bandits, uh, Ali Brady as well. She's a huge uh, Buffalo Bills, Sabres fan, and San Francisco Giants fan as well. And before I wrap up the show, guys, my next Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, will be Friday, December 9th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. My guest, Nikki Geist, she's the host of the Rush Hour podcast, the co-host of the New York Giants Rush podcast, co-host of the 3rd and 30 podcast, and a co-host of Channel Side Bets. And also, she's the New York Giants reporter for Jersey Sports news so i hope you can tune in uh, to my show tomorrow night with nikki gist uh for season five episode four at 6 30 p.m live on my youtube channel on facebook twitter linkedin and twitch and then obviously my 14 audio platforms as well i'm really looking forward to speaking to nikki about her podcast work and being a reporter for the giants and to preview the philadelphia eagles new york giants game this sunday at one o'clock at metlife stadium as well so i hope you guys can all tune in uh tomorrow night to live with cdp sports talk 6 30 with nikki geist uh season five episode four 6 30 p.m eastern again live on my youtube channel Facebook Live, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn page as well. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up very shortly, guys. But uh, like I do with all my other podcasts, Live with CDP Sports Talk podcast, the audio version is downloaded to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitcher, Tuned In, and Podbean as well. And also, please check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. And again, Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles. Or you guys can also now pre-order the O-Electric Cadillac Lyric or the O-Electric Silverado as well. Give them a call at 519-824-0210 and tell them that Chris Palme, a.k.a. CDP, sent you as well. And also, guys, the parts and service department right now at Barry Collins Chevrolet is open on Saturdays right now uh, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, just before Christmas as well, if you want to check that out as well. And I'm looking forward to my new vehicle. Hopefully, we'll be here in either... January, February, a 2023 Chevy Trailblazer I purchased from Barry Cullen. It's going to be white and black, and I will show it off here at some point as well. And that's about it, guys. Uh, again, oh, I'm just going to put this on the screen too. Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is now live streamed on five platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And also guys in my interview with Allie Brady, I did get the, I did make a mistake in that interview with Allie Brady. The next Buffalo Bandits home game is Friday, December 30th 
at 7.30 against the Halifax Thunderbirds. So the Bandits' next game is Friday, December 30th, 7.30 at the KeyBank Center against Halifax. You can get tickets at bandits.com as well. And the Bandits' next game is on the road on Saturday, December 17th at 7 o'clock, I believe, at the First Ontario Centre against those Toronto Rock as well. Please check out the National Lacrosse League. Check out their website, nll.com. And uh, it's a great league, and you'll really enjoy it and stuff like that. But again, I want to say thank you to Pat Greg Gore from Coolback Canada, an analyst with Halifax Thunderbirds and with TSN for coming on tonight. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. And thank you to everybody listening to this on my audio platforms as well. And uh, again, I hope you guys can tune in to Live with CVP Sports Talk brought to you by Barry Collins Chevrolet tomorrow night, Friday, December 9th at 6.30 with Nikki uh, Geist. She's a host of our Rush Hour podcast and Giants podcast in New York City. And uh, she's also a Giants reporter for the New Jersey Sports News. So we're going to talk about her career as a podcaster and uh, also her, the media work she does with New Jersey. Jersey sporting news as well and preview that Giants Eagles game. So I hope everybody has a great night. Enjoy the Thursday night game between the Raiders and Rams. And we'll see you guys here tomorrow for season five, episode four of live with CDP sports talk again, brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph. Have a great night, everybody. And again, thank you for watching and listening to live with CDP sports talk.